Hey everybody, Dave Hodges here. You know me as the host of The Common Sense Show, and we are the show that is freeing America one enslaved mind at a time. And we have a couple of sponsors that make this show possible, and I want to mention them here right at the top so we have a clear path with our guest, Yvonne Verstappen. And I tell you, we got a topic here that I think everyone needs to hear, and that topic is going to have to do with how to survive the engulfing and seemingly um, unconquerable globalism that's coming our way. How can you maintain what you want to be and what you want your community to be? It's really going to be an interesting discussion. But first, we're brought to you by Food and Water. If times get tough and times could get really tough, you're going to need to have your own supply of food. You're going to need your own supply of water. And we got both for you. Our food supply is the best there is. We call it uh, preparewithdave.com. It's MPS. And is a right now 47% off sale on two-week emergency kit. People say, that price, Dave, can I buy more? Yes, you may. Restaurant quality is terrific. It's awesome. Lots of diversity of choice. No glyphosates, no GMOs, 25-year shelf life. Preparewithdave.com. And also, conversely, we are offering a special on our water filtration, the Aquapure Pro Filter. And if you go to the website I'm going to give you, you'll be able to see the research that's there. Double-blind studies. It's all there, no hocus pocus, false promises. It's all data driven. Go to waterwithdave.com. And right now during the holidays, we are offering 40% off through the holidays. This is a great, great deal right now. And why do you need this? Because in a crisis on the fourth or fifth day, waterborne illnesses becomes the number one cause of death according to the Naval War College. This device could save lives. You won't have any trouble finding standing water in most cases you'll have trouble finding standing drinkable water. And this device can help you do that. Waterwithdave.com for the 40% off through the holidays. Okay, those are the two sponsors that we have for this particular segment. Stefan, welcome back to the show, my friend. I'm so glad that you were able to join us. Uh, We got a really good reaction to the last time you were on. And I think this topic we're going to get into is even more timely given the, the times that we live in. Well, thanks for having me back on, Dave. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Oh, my, my, mine too, my friend. Um, you are very insightful. What I see you do is you look between the crevices of a problem to find solutions. That, that's what I see. You, you don't necessarily take on a big macro, we're going to overthrow this or overthrow that. You look at how to survive in the shadows, how to turn things around for your life individually, even though the circumstances around you may be pretty dire. Do you think that's a fair characterization? Yeah, I guess so, because, you know, the problem with all these big, grandiose schemes is the logistics. People, you know, we have the idea that, oh, we're going to rebel, but, you know, you don't know. People don't understand logistics. You have to get water and ammunition and food and medicine and organizations and communications and food, money. And, I mean, these are all a lot of detail. You can't paint broad brushstrokes on how to solve the problem. So we have to come down to the individual to small communities where we can handle the logistics on our on our own and by making small changes within our community those changes will ripple throughout society and it's only this way that we're gonna we're gonna change things so there's no point in starting a new political party it's never going to go anywhere there's no point in having a big protest 10 million people in the street they don't care we We've been protesting for 20 years. Have they listened to us once? (laughs) Uh, Not that I can remember. 
I remember before the, the Iraq war, there were millions of people in Paris and London and Australia and everybody was marching. Stop the war in Iraq. Did it slow it down by one minute? Nothing. They don't listen. So the only way we can do this is by what I call a leaderless revolution. We all have to be the change in our own communities. We have to work as small groups, even as individuals, one or two people. You live your life according to virtue and the principles. And and by doing this, you will affect your immediate environment, but then it will have a holistic or a synergistic effect on the whole world. And so that's why, um, yeah, I guess I work, I work on the details and... Uh, and, and the small problems, because, you know, that's how we're going to solve things. Well, I think it's very, very insightful that you're doing this. I, I, I truly do. But I also believe that a lot of people are only looking for macro solutions. And I do agree with you. If we only have the right political party. Uh, no, that's not the answer. I, I totally agree with you. So, you know, if you look at America right now, we're, we're going to go through an impeachment trial. Uh, I think I'm pretty uh, flimsy grounds, but nonetheless, we're going to go through an impeachment trial. We've got the governor of Virginia saying that he's going to have roadblocks to take your guns and use the military and perhaps even U.N. troops. I mean, we have total chaos right now in our country. Yes. What do you think America should be doing if we're going to follow what you think is a good model of change? Well, what America should be doing is what America did when it was still great. Back in the 1800s, well, starting right back into 1600s, Americans looked after themselves. They were self-sufficient. Back in the old days, there was no government programs for health care. There was no welfare. There was no unemployment insurance. There was no free medical care. All these things were taken care of by the Americans themselves, and they did this by working together in communities. Um, even, uh, um, you know, in those days, they were called by numerous names. They were called friendly societies and, and uh, fraternal organizations and lodges and uh, mutual aid societies. But what they did was provide <coughs> for their members everything that the government <coughs> excuse me <coughs> it's okay you can cut that out eh? you provide for their members everything that the government fails to provide us now we're promised health care who can afford health care and, and what kind of health care it's crap um, but in the old days under the mutual aid societies people paid the equivalent in today's money of five dollars a month for medical insurance and for that they got complete medical care dental care they got re retirement benefits they got an old age uh, uh, or seniors homes were built and even at such a small contribution of five dollars a month from members these mutual aid societies because they weren't being robbed blind by a corrupt bureaucracy the money that they collected actually went to help people we pay money to the government 98 percent is just skimmed off the top by the by the corruption and the psychopaths that are running things nothing gets used to actually benefit the people but when you take the power back and form your own communities and you run it yourself and it's a and then it's a democratic system nobody's the boss nobody's the dictator everybody has input 
input. Everybody has a voice in that community that the, the, the money that they were able to raise was so much that they actually built hospitals. It started off as just providing health insurance and hiring a doctor to come around. And in those days, doctors actually visited your house. Yes. <laughs> Hard to believe. House calls. You know, they still make them in France. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, I saw a special on TV, and they were extolling the uh, extolling the virtues of French healthcare compared to ours. And they were interviewing American expats that had gone to Paris. And one of the benefits was, if you're sick in the middle of the night, they'll send a doctor out to you. Yeah, that's what they used to do, and that's what these mutual aid groups. Do. They would collect $5 a month from members, and then if anybody got sick, that money went to hire a doctor to go to your house and see how you're doing and, 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 and to heal you. And But it went from just hiring a doctor to building hospitals, mm-hmm. building clinics, building seniors' buildings, even providing funeral services. I mean, they even went so far, some of these mutual aid uh, uh, groups as to buy parkland and build uh, a picnic grounds and band shells and have dances and parties and barbecues. I mean, they did everything with just a little bit of money. That's why it, you know, it's a shame that we paid this much money to the government because we could have created a paradise with that money if it wasn't for the corruption that stole all I know, of that money. I know what happened in healthcare in America. I, I don't know if you cover this where you're at, but it was called Edward Uh-oh. Kaiser. Did I get and cut I, off? No, no, no. Okay, hang on a second here. There we go. Is that better? Yeah. Yeah, my feed just dropped. That was weird. Anyway, none the worse for the wear. I know what happened with healthcare. I've actually studied this. 1972, yeah. Edward Kaiser met with President Nixon and said, hey, we need to federally sponsor managed healthcare, which, putting it nicely, was denial of care while collecting exorbitant rates in a monopolistic system, where before it had been totally free enterprise with health call, house calls and everything else. And Nixon handed over the health care to uh, health care companies to have monopolies. And this is what happened to us. Yeah, it goes back even earlier than that. I'm sure you're familiar with the whole Rockefeller medical uh, establishment mm-hmm. take. Mm-hmm. Well, the, one of the first things they did was they wouldn't certify doctors that worked for mutual aid co- uh, societies. So if you were a doctor and, and, and you had a nice contract with the Mutual Aid Society, which meant that they paid you whether you worked or not. This is like the old Chinese system. The ancient Chinese doctors uh, got paid while their patients were healthy and didn't get paid when the patients got sick. And, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, the emphasis or the incentive is on keeping people healthy. But when you pay them, when you get sick, then the incentive is on making people sick because that's where the profit margin is. So when the Rockefeller and and the AMA took over and started certifying doctors, the first thing they did was they took these doctors and they said, we will no longer certify you if you work for the Goodfellows Society. And so all these doctors were no longer licensed. And so the you know, the, the mutual aid groups couldn't hire the doctors anymore. They purposely destroyed the medical system in this country. It was working good. It provided wonderful services. And that's what the psychopaths hate. So there's no profit in healthy pe- people. There, <clears throat> there's only profit in sickness. 
That's exactly right, which is why I think we haven't seen any meaningful breakthroughs in cancer treatment in 40 years. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I stay on top of it. I've been editing a book for a, a friend of mine who is an emergency uh, emergency room doctor. He lives in Santa Barbara, and um, he's you know quite skeptical of the medical system as well. And he's been working on <clears throat> a book on how to extend life and live to be in a long. Uh, uh, live to an old age and still be healthy at 95, you know, like still be able to do gymnastics at 100. And um, absolutely, there are things out there. There's a lot of breakthroughs, medical breakthroughs, scientific breakthroughs. And he says, doctors don't know anything about it. They're not supposed to know anything about it. There's no profit in healthy people. We have a system that only profits by you being sick. How can you trust that? I don't. That's pretty amazing. That's, I mean, you're right on the money. I don't trust the system either. Are there any other entities, uh, particularly corporate entities, that fit this same model of uh, depriving people of what they need in the name of profit? Just about every one. Just about every multi-corporation, uh, multinational corporation, is predicated on making profit from the suffering of people. So, uh, you know, look at the pharmaceutical industry. My God, the whole oxycontent, opioid addiction that's killing thousands, tens of thousands of suffering people all over the country. I mean, they're making a lot of money on this. They're making bank on killing people. And has anybody stopped them? You know, we know that oxycontent you know, they paid bribes to the AMA. They lied in their studies about the, how addictive it is. That company, I forget the name of it, um, they're, they're making billions of dollars of profit. Has the government or the judicial system gone after them? Listen, you're a, a, you know, a Wall Street drug pusher. You know, can we shut these people down for crying out loud? No, because there's money in, in suffering. And this is the society we have built. It's a sociopathic society. It's run by psychopaths. And it's very easy to predict what's going to happen because psychopaths are all the same. They're predictable. What they like is misery and suffering. So as soon as you have a, a corporation, as soon as you have a government, as soon as you have any you know, system built by these people, you know the product is going to be misery and suffering because that's what they like. Okay, I listen, the the pharmaceutical company, I just interviewed Dr. Ted Brower of Health Masters and uh, one of the best natural health care people around. And we, we went through very similar kind of revelations only in real detail. He went through aspartame and, you know, just in everyday products and how the FDA is corrupted. And I totally agree with you. So, okay, so we've got managed health care. They suck. You've got the pharmaceuticals. They suck worse. Okay, let's let's continue down this line here. What other institutions are the enemy of the common man? Well, I would say things like McDonald's, Starbucks, Walmart, um, you know, all the big box stores. Look, there's, they sell you crap food that makes you sick, which is, of course, of a benefit to the uh, medical association. They love it. They love McDonald's because it provides more profit for, for the medical system. Uh, these companies, look what they have done. They have gutted the American manufacturing industry, gutted it, and they sent 
the factories and the jobs overseas. So, you know, what are they doing? They're, they're supplying you with poison. They're robbing you of your livelihood. They're destroying the economy. They're destroying the country. Why would we have anything to do with them? I'm just finishing off a, a, a new video, eight things you can do to fight the system without having to get off the couch and kill somebody. And, <laughs> that's a, oh my, that's a great title. That's a great I, I, title. I'll have it uploaded by the end of the day. Send it to but, me, please. I will, I will, Dave. Um, but it's really simple. We got to boycott these people. Listen, we are in a battle against a monolithic, evil, satanic force. I mean, it's you know, it's not David and Goliath. Goliath. It's you know, David and the armies of Sauron. It's it's overwhelming. So what? You know, I'm a strategist. You know, my first book was on military, Chinese military strategy. I think to myself, look, I'm supposed to be a smarty pants. What would I do as a ancient Chinese general knowing strategy and tactics? How do we fight these people? Well, we fight them with guerrilla tactics. And the first tactic, and this will be in the video, is called steal the firewood from under the pot and it's strategy number 19 and what it says is that when you are faced with an overwhelming force that you cannot attack directly we can't attack these people directly we can't start a new political party we can't found a new country you know we cannot go up to against them one-on-one -on -one. we're just we don't have the power so when you can't do that, you have to weaken them by removing the sources of their strength. The sources of their strength are all these multinational, multinational globalist corporations, the banks, the stock market, the credit card, the big box stores, the medical association, the media, the movies, the Netflix, I mean, all of these things. We have to boycott them. If we don't pay them our money, they will get weaker and we will get stronger because we're not paying for our own destruction. And this is what I'm trying to put forward in this upcoming video. Oh, I love it. Do you know a great American just said what you said? Uh, don't fund your own destruction. That great American was named Dave Hodges, and I say this tongue in cheek. But <laughs> you are a great American, Dave. I love I have, you. Well, thank you. But I, I have to tell you, I've been saying the same thing. I, I you know, uh, eat in Joe's Crab Shack. Don't go to the corporate equivalent. That's what I've been telling people. Stop That's eating exactly. on your money. I've been doing this for a while. I don't go, you know, for Christmas, everybody's going out to buy, you know, products. And, of course, everything's made in China. It's going to break in about three weeks, you know. Um, when I buy Christmas presents, I go to local craft stores, local jewelry makers, painters. I've been doing this for 40 years. The kind of present you'll get from me is a, a handmade sterling silver ring with an opal in it. You know, that's what I give to the women. You know, jewelry. Because, listen, two reasons. One, I'm supporting local craftsmen. Two, that sterling silver ring with the opal in it will retain its value 30 years from now. Your hmm. toaster oven 
that you buy from China will be broken in two weeks and the entire value is gone. I buy things that have intrinsic value and I'm coming up with another video on that which is called intrinsic value. Some things are valuable in and of itself regardless of whatever monetary app, you know, price tag you put on it paid for with paper dollars that are worth nothing a silver ring that i bought for my wife or a silver pendant or 24 karat gold pendant you know i used to live in china and, and the chinese would never buy anything that wasn't 24 karat gold um you know i buy a, a gold ring or a silver pendant 30 years from now that will sell for the same money you know factoring in inflation as you paid for it it retains its value and you support the local economy so you know i i prefer to shop at farmers markets i buy secondhand all my clothes come from the goodwill i'm not going to walmart to get a new pair of jeans i can get a brand new pair of jeans for five bucks at the goodwill what am i doing spending 50 bucks at, at walmart you know because we're paying for our destruction so part of you know the, the the strategy is to starve them starve them don't pay for your cable bill don't pay for your credit card bill don't pay taxes as much as you can get it away from it legally well you know, I, I gotta i gotta tell you about this this is incredible my, my wife and i i'm sure you're familiar with dave ramsey get out of debt guy and, yeah. and 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 we don't really study him but we live by the principles as i hear him on the radio occasionally when i'm driving around and we don't have debt i mean we do everything we could do to have paid down our house and we did we paid it off we never buy a car unless we save up enough money to have uh, cash payment and we'll drive cars until they have 200 300,000 miles on them and I'm, I'm not making it up this is really true um we are very frugal very yeah. frugal and here's what's funny uh one time i looked into our credit report and we dropped because we never had a negative balance on our credit cards at the end of the month. Yeah. I'm no, not kidding. Won't. I'm not kidding. That actually, we got penalized for being good managers of our credit. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm the same way. Uh, you know, strategy or, or the eighth point in my upcoming video is live like a warrior, meaning you are self-reliant and you do with less we don't need all this crap i can't believe the amount of crap people spend money on and go into debt for and then pay interest on the debt for crap you don't need it i'm self-reliant i i do you know i bought a bicycle six years ago i've replaced the the wheels the sprockets the bearings you know the brakes five times on it I don't need to buy a new bike. I go to the junkyard, I find another junker, I take the good parts off of that, put it on my bike, and I got, a, you know, I'm good for another two years. Why would I go out and buy a new bike again? I fix everything. I fix my car. I do my own car repairs. I sew my own. I, <clears throat> I darn my own socks, Dave. I'm not kidding. I know how to sew. You're a better I, man than me. <laughs> I, I sew my clothes up, you know, I got a patch, I, you know, my knees are packed, my, my, my jeans have got holes in the knees, I patched them up myself, I make, because, you know, if I were to go and spend money, first of all, I'd rather the money stay with me, and second of all, I have to give it to a multinational globalist corporation, why would I feed them? I feed myself, I feed my community, I feed the people around me, but I'm not feeding the evil deep state and the new world order. So 
become self-reliant, self-sufficient, make do with less, walk or bicycle instead of taking the car when you can, you know. And um, this will starve the beast and this is our strategy, you know, to get at the underbelly of the new world order is if we stop supporting them, they will start to suffer. Look at what's happening in the in the movie industry now. They've been foisting this, you know, agenda on every on us in every movie and people don't like it. People are tired of being lectured to by socialists in a movie. You want entertainment. You don't want political correctness. And people are avoiding the movies and they're tanking everywhere. Good. Let them tank. I hope Hollywood goes bankrupt. I hope that all these producers and filmmakers are end up in the same skid row in Hollywood that they created for the rest of America. Sounds like a movement. Tanks for nothing. Um, we just stop going and they go broke. I like that. Yeah. Um, I'm really selective about the movies I go to. And I, I you know, but you know one thing I noticed? Um, we had a gift of Netflix, so we still have it. And um, th- they have these shows on that are predictive programming. Are you familiar with the yeah. concept? Yes. Oh, absolutely. And and um, and they're, they're, this is classic. They'll run a show with a novel concept that you know is coming technologically or institutionally or socially and culturally or politically. And they'll run something, but they only run it for two or three years. And even if the ratings for the show are high, you get to two or three years out, they cancel it, regardless of where the ratings are. They could be number one, and they'll cancel it. It's kind of like they're using places like Netflix to condition us to the new social order that's coming so we're not just shocked into defiance when it comes but then they don't want to get us too familiar with it because if we look at it real close we might protest and this is what i've seen over and over and over absolutely predictive programming is uh, i think it's the sole purpose of media these days is to it's you know it's the frog being slowly boiled mm. you know they have to feed it to us in increments you know a little tiny piece at a time this is how you you feed somebody poison because if you gave them a dose and they drop dead then everybody's going to look at the guy that fed him the, the cup of coffee last time but if you just put a little poison in every little piece of food they eat and he dies over a period of a couple of months then nobody can point the finger at you and this is what they're doing to us through the media all this predictive programming it's a little bit of poison in the back of your mind it's it's indoctrinating you it's brainwashing you it's getting you used to the idea of becoming a slave it's a good idea let's all become slaves let's all obey brother let's all just do what the media tells us um Listen, this is the point of media today. It's not entertainment. Forget about that. It has nothing to do with entertainment. These people don't even care about making money. Why would they care? They print the money. You know, that's why a lot of these movies and these TV shows, they're, they're going deep. Even things like Facebook and YouTube, for crying out loud. We know they're billions of dollars into debt. How can these companies still keep running when they don't make a profit well because they're funded by the deep state the new world order the satanic cabal and they print the money they don't care if they lose money we just print some more on because the point of these institutions the media and hollywood is not to make money it's not to provide entertainment it's to indoctrinate you it's the predictive programming to get you used to the absolute and total mind control slavery they have planned for us 
that's why they do it. You know, a lot of people are going to listen to this discussion when we're talking about this point, and they're going, man, you guys need to take your medications and lay down for a while. And I used to think that, too, when I heard about predictive programming. But then as I just started listening to these people talk, like I would listen to some broadcasters say, this show is teaching us this. When you see that for about the 10th time, and you realize, you know what? <laughs> this is actually happening. And then I met a guy named John Coleman. And he used to be uh, part of the Committee of 300, which was a globalist elite group at the time under the Club of Rome. And one of the policy setters for the world. And he rebelled against it, found God and said, I need to walk away from this. He actually wrote a book called The Committee of 300. And he told me once in an interview, he said, Dave, everything you see is programmed. Everything. He said, and I'm talking about what comes out of Hollywood, what goes on TV. He, he talked about the old group called the Tavistock Institute. I'm sure you're familiar with that. Yes. And they just sit down and they say, okay, well, how do we want to bend society? But they have a problem right now, and I want you to address this. I'm seeing more spontaneous free will rebellions around the world than I've ever seen. The yellow vests in Paris and Hong Kong with the freedom fighters are just two examples. How do you how do you account for that in this wave of predictive programming we live in? Well, that's the overreach that psychopaths always go for. The psychopaths will eventually, in the end, always destroy themselves because their arrogance, you know, the, the, the saying pride goes before a fall. Yes. Their, their arrogance always undermines them. What the psychopaths don't understand is that basic human nature is not vile and vulgar like they are. The average American is not okay with raping six-year-old kids. Doesn't matter how many programs they put out, how many trannies in libraries, how many laws they pass and tell everybody it's a lifestyle choice, this, that. The average human being does not approve of child rape doesn't matter all your programming and the more they program this stuff the more they got you know six-year-olds dressed up as as you know little boys dressed up as girls doing strip teases yeah, and, I know, I know, I know. you know the more they do that they think that's going to bend us more to their will no there's a pushback because the psychopaths Ultimately, they don't understand human psychology. They do their best to mimic it so that they look normal, so that we can't spot what evil, low-life scumbags that they are. They put on this face, this phony smile, but they still really don't understand virtue and healthy mentality and human nature. They really, with all their focus groups and all the money they spend on researching they don't get what human beings really are and when they start to push it beyond what good healthy decent virtuous people can can stomach can tolerate they will get the pushback so i'm in favor you know let's let's have more trannies let's have trannies everywhere let's dress up all our boys in and in, in dresses let's because the more they do that the more pushback they'll get because truly healthy people don't approve of that and you can't brainwash them enough okay there's a lot of dumb people out there they'll buy it okay 20 30 percent but the majority of people cannot tolerate this level of 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 of, of degradation degradation is the right word um yeah and i think this stems a lot too because a lot of us become parents we have our own children and 
we just react in horror to what they want to do. You know, I, I remember that when I first started in broadcasting, and that was back in 2007, if I talked about child trafficking, people would say, oh, that's a conspiracy theory. At least now, Stefan, we've got a situation where people are now recognizing it's a major problem. Absolutely. And what you said earlier about, you know, people might listen to this, think we've got to take our medications. You know, I'm beyond that now, Dave. Yeah, me too. You can't too. tell me what I am seeing in the world today. You can't tell me that when I look up in the sky and I see chemtrails every day, uh, crisscrossing the sky, that's not real. It's my imagination. Look, I remember I'm, I'm 62 years old. I remember when I was a kid, there were no chemtrails behind jet engines. Now we see them everywhere. What, you, what you're going to tell me that I don't see that? You want to tell me that Pin, Prince Andrew, in his ridiculous interview where he pretty much confessed that the who's who of elite New York society all hung out at Jeffrey Epstein's place, and that's why Prince Andrew happened to be there. You know, come on, for crying out loud, people, you don't see this? They are taking children through... Uh, 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 child protective services and feeding them directly into a pedophile ring we have seen dozens and dozens of exposés on this subject so it's not real you want to tell me that I can't be angry knowing that there are tens of thousands if not hundreds of thousands of small children being raped by psychopathic lunatics I can't be angry about that I can't speak up about that you know you even got the damn prince of England there involved in it I don't sweat my god what a lunatic but again the other thing we we need to understand and I put this in another video is that the people we're dealing with they're not that smart <laughs> smart we all think they're genius well listen i would look like a genius if george soros gave me 50 million dollars and i went around paying for all kinds of destructive programs yeah look george soros or whoever gave jeffrey epstein his money we still don't know where he got all its money from yeah, yeah give me give me two three billion dollars you know I, I will build some schools and things like that everybody will think i'm a genius too they're not geniuses what they are is backstabbers and traitors to humanity and that's why they're successful not because they're smarter than us but because they're cheaters and liars and sneak thieves that's why they're successful oh. I couldn't agree with you more, but the problem is, is there's a growing awareness that this is going on, but no one seems to be able to do anything about it. Well, that's the purpose of my, my book that I'm working on. My upcoming book is um, The Complete Guide to Forming Communities for Mutual Aid, Support, and Charity. We can do it ourselves. You know, everybody's waiting for a hero to come around, a new revolutionary leader. Forget it. It's never going to happen. Anybody that was, let's say, an honest, virtuous person that believed in God and Jesus stood up and said, listen, I'm going to form a party or a movement. Support me. Look, the people that run this world would either have this guy trapped in a honey trap, you know, they would drug him, videotape him with five-year-olds and blackmail him, or they will murder his family. So you can't do that. We, you, we're not going to have a savior in the form of another political leader or, or a Greta Thunberg or any of these people. 
we have to do it ourselves and we do it by starting with our family and then we extend that to a community a small community we extend it to the church that you go to i think churches are an excellent venue for creating communities to fight it back back against us I mean, go to, go to the church. Tell them you're not happy with all this pedophilia and, 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 and the multinational corporations robbing us blind at every turn. Can we work together? Can we form our own buying groups? Can we form our own drug counseling centers? Can we form our own homeschooling communities? Can we form our own uh, healthcare and, 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 and lifestyle communities and help each other? And by helping each other, again, the strategy we starve the beast because we're not relying on them we're not paying them we're paying each other we're helping each other so the answer to this is going to be in my upcoming book it is literally literally <coughs> sorry about that that's all right literally, literally the solution to all our problems because Here's the other thing. When I was working with my doctor friend and he was talking about, you know, why do some people live to be 100 years old and can still do uh, backflips and other people are, are, are sick and decrepit by the time they're 50? And a huge influence in that, a major factor in living a long and healthy life is being part of a community. All these, you know, blue zones, they call them, you know, all over the world where people tend to live in, into their hundreds. Why do they live into the hundreds? Is it the food that they eat? No, there's no correlation to what they eat to their longevity. Is it the wine they drink? No, there's no correlation between the wine they drink and living to be a hundred. Um, there is two correlations. One, they are active. In other words, they don't go to the gym and you know bust their butts for half an hour. They are active throughout the day. They do a bit of gardening, a bit of cleaning, a bit of cooking, a bit of lifting, a bit of walking. They're active throughout the day. It's not some you know. Hopefully, hopefully it's a bit of podcasting too. And a bit of podcasting, yes. Of thank course. you, thank you. And the other thing that they all have in common is they have friends that they have known for 80 years and they get together every day or every other day and they have a meal and they talk and they share. This is what keeps you young and you know, additional studies into Alzheimer's and arthritis and heart disease, all of these are again linked to people uh, or, or correlated uh, that you will suffer less of these diseases the more you are a part of a community. So my book ended up, you know, I started off writing how to form a survivalist community to survive what's coming, how to organize it, how to run it, how to incorporate it and, and, and you know, the different duties and charters. I, I wrote it all out. You buy the book, all you do is fill in your name, boom, you're ready to go. Um, because I, I want to make it easy for people. I know people aren't going to go and do this all on their own. So if you wanted to form a, a local community for whatever, and I, I recommend, you know, hiding under a false front. So I would say, you know, you know, where I live is Oakville. So the Oakville Nature Society, let's call it that. All right. It won't attract attention from the government. I'm not going to get the FBI sniffing down my my sniffing up my butt to see what I'm up to. But secretly, 
we organize a buying community, we organize a survivalist group, we organize a search and rescue team. You know, we can do all this under the umbrella of Oakville Nature Society. And so that is in the book. It's the last chapter of the book, How to Form a Survival Community. And again, I've got the charters and, and, and the rules and entrance exams. And you can morph this community to what you need at the time. So right now, maybe we're not worried about the end of the world, but coming right up, we have increased food costs. Uh, it's going to bankrupt a lot of people. Sure. So what can we do? Well, we've got our community. Now we pool our grocery money and we go to a wholesaler. You know, or if you, you know, we, we, we get a wholesaler's license, we call it the Oakville Community Food Bank. Okay. And um, <clears throat> we incorporate as a nonprofit and we get a, uh, a wholesaler's license. Now, me and the five families that are part of this, we each, you know, probably pay two bucks a, a week for food. We pool our money, we buy our money, our groceries wholesale. So we've solved the immediate problem of skyrocketing food prices. Okay, so again, a small community can do that. The same community, let's say now, you know, with the the Obamacare, is, the rates are gonna now triple. Everybody has to pay $4,000 a month for healthcare. Forget about that. Our small community will now pool our resources. We'll go to a private insurance company and we'll say, listen, We've got 50 people, give us a group policy. So again, you're saving money by working together. You're not feeding into the beast system of Obamacare and you are solving the problem as it comes up. All right, let's say the worst case scenario happens. Complete breakdown of society, the, the currency collapse, the, the grid goes down. That same group that you formed under the auspices of Oakville Nature Society now we become a survivalist community. We help each other out. We share medical knowledge. We share security options. We communicate with radios. We check in on each other. If a couple of families have to move in together so that they can save on heating costs and things like that, that's what we'll do to survive. So the solution to all of our problems really is working together one-on-one -on -one with people you trust, Preferably family, but that's not always possible. Preferably with people at the church, where you go to church, that's a really good option. And if not, then go out and meet your neighbors. Go to the local library, put up a couple of flyers. I'm going to have a meeting. Anybody interested in working together to save money, join up. Let's talk about it. But that is, uh, Dave, you know, I... I, I I read a lot of history and I've searched history for a solution to what we're going through and uh, history shows that that has always been the solution that's what saved people it's classic decentralization exactly yeah it's uh, classic what will the other side do to push back in your estimation well they've already pushed back everything the other side has done to us is to alienate us. Alienation seems to be the key underlying pathology between, behind 
most of our problems, we are alienated from our families, we're alienated from our communities, we're alienated from our proud and noble history and traditions. Why do you think they're tearing down all these statues for crying out loud? Because they want to make sure we don't have a history, we don't have a culture, we don't have a community. Everybody's being encouraged to be a narcissistic, greedy, self-centered, selfish person so that nobody can ever cooperate. We're taught to be suspicious and covetous and 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 uh, you know always view everyone else as your enemy and your competitor somebody you have to compete against they're a threat to you they've been doing this to us for over a hundred years Dave that's why it's so hard for people to work together because we've been indoctrinated into this poisonous culture of you know, people not trusting each other, not being able to work together anymore. Everybody's in it for themselves. If you're not in it for yourself, then you're naive. You you have to understand, money is everything. Man, I've heard this, Dave. I've heard this all the time. No, I, I hear exactly what you're saying, and I see the proof of it every single day. I, I think your point of starting, though, is a good one. I, I like the idea that churches... Um, have you known anyone that's done that? Are pastors receptive to that because they could enhance it or kill it? Not personally, Dave. I'm sorry. I, I, I plan to, within the next couple of months, approach all, all the local churches in my area. I want to go visit them, offer to put on a, uh, uh, a lecture, you know, uh, working together to create an emergency uh, preparedness uh, community. You know, because the church is a great place. You can store food there. You can store medical equipment there. People can go there in case of an emergency, set up some cots, have a warm bed to sleep in. I'm, that's what churches should be used for anyways, for crying out loud. You know, it's not just used one couple of hours once a week. We need to use them, the facilities, incorporate them in our plans. But, um, yeah, I think that's a good starting point. I do. And if you, if you were to look at all the institutions you could go to where you'd have access to large numbers of people who might be open to this besides churches where would you go again well volunteer fire department volunteer ambulance you know i used to be an instructor for uh, st john ambulance which is a british uh, commonwealth equivalent of the red cross and uh, I did a lot of volunteer ambulance work. I did, you know, uh, uh, emergency preparedness drills where they would close down downtown uh, and uh, we would have uh, people pretend to be injured and we would have a scenario, you know, uh, it was a car bomb or there was a plane crash and people would have to, you know, learn how to use triage and evacuation and stabilize the patients. We've gone through all that. So if you go to these types of organizations, you've already got people that are rugged. You, you know, this this stuff is not for the college major in non-binary lesbian poetry or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there goes our political correctness right out the window. Oh, uh, yeah. No, but I love it. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I love it. It's just, it seems to be you have to be as extreme as possible to date to gain acceptance. That's, that's, uh, yeah, you can't go to these people, but what you can go to is, um, you know, nature societies, um, outdoor groups. You know, um, we have here like a local canoe community. Listen, people that go out and canoe, first of all, you know, they're going to be pretty rugged, they're not going to be babies. Um, 
and you know that they're going to be pretty healthy. You know, <coughs> excuse me. You can, you know, work with these communities. Uh, volunteer fire department. Volunteer. Uh, go to the community um, neighborhood watch community and talk to those people they're already a little bit more aware they're already organized to some degree and they're already uh, you know just a little bit more healthy more rugged more self-reliant uh, so those would be the communities that would target second i would say first go to your local church you know and once my book comes out take a copy of the book here look here's 15 different ways we can organize our church community into a community to solve 20 different problems. Which one should we choose? Which one should we go for? What is the best use of our time and resources? And what, what good can we do? And then the second would be, like I said, volunteer communities like uh, um, Meals on Wheels and um, Volunteer Fire Department and also um, Volunteer Search and Rescue, like Mo Rocky Mountain Search and Rescue. What a great organization. These people already have medical training. They already have rescue training. They know USAR, you know, urban search and rescue techniques. Um, man, I, I want to be with those type of people rather than the coffee clutch at Starbucks, you know. <laughs> So, um, I, I totally agree with you. We got about a minute left, and you've written a lot of books, and I'd like you to take a few seconds here and talk to people about the books briefly and how they can get a copy, because I'm sure people are going to want to follow your good work. Oh, thank you, Dave. Well, my my three books are 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 written to you know save the world. My first book is The Art of Urban Survival, and it's really a prediction based on my article that I wrote for Gerald Salente's Trends Journal. And uh, I examined historical cycles, and when you see history, you know where it's going. Yes. 